This message is brought to you by ABC Church in Ammonford, West Wales. For more information, please visit our website at www.abclife.org. Thank you so much, Ruth. <clears throat> well, um, 5 a.m. was early, but um, to be honest with you, um, I've got a child anyway, so 5 a.m. is like, it's, give it, it's just normal. That's life for me now. Um, but it's an honor to be here, to be honest, um, whether it's 5 a.m. in the morning or not, um, to be with you guys. And God's really doing something special here. Um, and walking through the doors, just seeing this place, hearing its legacy, hearing what you guys have built um, over the past two decades of just pouring your lives into this, into people, um, not just into bricks and mortar, but into lives, into families. Um, and God's honestly, he is rewarding it already. I know that you know that, but he's going to continue to reward it. And I actually just had a sense when I was just there in worship that this is a house of restoration, that it is, that, that the moment people walk through those doors, restoration happens. In the same way it happened for this building, it will happen for people's lives, and that it will be a beacon of light to this town, to everyone in this town and beyond this town. And people will travel um, many miles to come and visit this place and be a part of it. And um, it is an honor to be a part of this and, and just to, to get a sense of the life in this place. Like it just feels good, this culture here and this life and this family. And uh, I love you guys. I love what you're building. And it um, is an honor to be here. And like Ruth said, I've been a part of um, Life Church for the past 10 years, um, leading um, in Life Church Bradford and Leeds. Been a part of um, lots of different things. It's been an incredible privilege for for me and my wife to be a part of that for the last decade. And um, for about five years um, and some, God's been speaking to us about taking a step of faith. And to be honest with you, I think it's been five years because I was just being disobedient <laughs> and I just didn't want to really respond to it. Um, but fast forward those five years on and we made a decision um, last year to follow God's call and do what we believed he was um, drawing us out to. And that was to move countries, to move from um, Leeds where we've been living for the for the past 10 years and to move to Switzerland, Zurich, which is where my wife's from. And uh, so we're going to move out there and we're going to do our best to begin building a community and sharing the love of Jesus with people and um, just see where that goes. Um, so we do that. We actually move there in um, three days, I think it is. Three days, something like that. So um, we're excited about it. Excited slash very nervous. Um, but we believe God's in it. And the truth is, if God's in it, then it can't fail. And uh, we honestly believe that God's on our side and um, that's the best side to be on. So anyway, it's an honor to be here with you. Let me show you a picture of um, my wife who couldn't make it. She sends her apologies. Um, that's, that's Fed there on the right. We call her Fed. Um, and then in the middle there, that's Lomi. Paloma, what we call her Lomi for short. And um, she is she's everything she needs to be. Messed me right up. Um, and... You can put that down now because I'll just stare at it all day otherwise. Um, we, just, we just actually had three months together. We've been traveling for a little bit um, across the States and we've just had every day together for three months. So actually just right now in this moment, I just felt it like my wife's not here and I've spent every single day with her for three months. Um, but she could have been here. She would have been if it wasn't 5 a.m. I think she's not really a morning person. Um, but it's good to be here, honestly. Thank you so much for having me. And uh, we're going to spend a little bit of time together in the Word and then get you out of here for your Sunday roast as soon as possible. So if you've got a Bible, turn to the book of um, 1 Corinthians. And um, we're going to jump into um, chapter 12. Um, I hope you're well. I hope your new year has gone well um, thus far. I hope January was a good start for you and um, that it is a sign of like 
what's to come for the rest of the year for you guys. And I'll be praying for you like across across the months and years while we're doing what we're doing. And uh, be excited to hear the stories from you guys of what's going on. So 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And um, I'm going to read um, a few different verses from this chapter and I'll break it up a little bit. I'm going to miss some parts out, but I'm not going to affect the context of it. I just want to read a few different um, scriptures to just, I suppose, plant us in this chapter so that we can figure out what's what Paul's writing in this chapter as he writes to the church. So um, in verse 1 through 4, starting in verse 1, it says this. It says, Now about spiritual gifts, brothers and sisters, I don't want you to be ignorant. He says, You know that when you were pagans, somehow or other you were influenced and led astray by mute idols. He goes on to say, Therefore I tell you that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus be cursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. He goes on and says, There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit. And I'm going to fast forward through to verse 12. It says, The body is a unit. Though it's made up of many parts, and though all of its parts are many, they form one body. So it is with Christ. We are all baptized by one spirit and into one body. It goes on and says this. This is, this is actually a significant verse in the Bible, especially for where we are in um, culture and where humanity is at the moment. It says, whether Jews or Greeks, slave or three, we were all given the one spirit to drink. What Paul's saying is it doesn't matter your background, it doesn't matter your history, it doesn't matter which part of town you come from, it doesn't matter your skin color, it doesn't matter your history, it doesn't matter what you've done, what you haven't done, we're all in this together. Nothing can separate you, nothing differentiates us, we're all one body, part of the same thing together. He goes on to say this, he says, now the body is not made up of one part, but of many. So if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body, it would not for that reason cease to be part of the body. It goes on and said, and if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason cease to be part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, which would be weird, um, it, says, it says, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has arranged the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. So wherever you're at at the moment, know that God's placed you where you are on purpose, for purpose, with intentionality. It isn't an accident that you are where you are, doing what you're doing, and with the things in your hands that you've got in your hands. God has purposefully and intentionally placed it in your hands. You are where you are on purpose and for a purpose. It goes on to say, if you were all one part, where would the body be? As it is then, there are many parts, but one body. Many parts but one body. So I want to speak just from this subject title, we're different, but the same. We're different, but the same. And uh, if you would, will you pray with me just as we head into this and pray that God speaks through me to you. And uh, I always pray that God would open my heart, even as I speak, that he would say something fresh to me. And uh, if there's something that needs to be said in this room today um, from God to somebody, my prayer is that my heart would be open and that I'd be able to communicate that spirit. So will you pray with me? God, we thank you for these moments um, that we get to share together, that we call church. Um, these moments where we become family and we, we get to share life together and we get to um, move forward into everything that you've called us to. God, I pray that you would lead us today with wisdom. Speak to us, God. 
um, pour faith into our spirits, Jesus. God, strengthen us. God, I pray that there would be a favor that lands on every single person's head, God, that there'd be an anointing for the season that they're in, God. God, give them strength for where they're at, God. We thank you, God, that you're with us, that your presence is here, that you're amongst us, God, and we know that where you are, there's miracles. There's miracles. So, God, we believe for that in Jesus' name. Everyone said, Amen. Amen. Well, like I said, I've been married. Um, uh, have a little baby girl. And I've been married for eight years now. Coming up to nine years in summer. I've been married for eight years. And, and if I've learned anything in marriage, um, it is that being married is different. Being married is different. And different is pretty much my way of saying it's not easy. Um, and, I, and I think when you're single, you assume that married life is easy. Um, not... Um, not for any particular reason, but you just think it must be easy being married. Like, because you're with someone all the time, you get to do certain things, you get to hang out with um, your, the person that you love. Being married, it's just it's easy. Once you get to marriage, it's like, great. That is like, it's, everything's chilled, it's easy. Once you get there, it's relaxed, and it's like the perfect place to be. And I honestly think as married people, we give too much grace to single people. I was going to say, I do. I think we give too much grace to single people. I think we allow them too much to think that we're living life in a better way, when the truth is, being single is a lot easier than being married. I would not say amen if you're a married person sat next to your spouse. Just, just, if anything, just say it's not true, babe. I don't know what he's talking about. But being single is not as, it's, it's just easier. It's easier because you don't have to tolerate any differences. When you're married, marriage is two people with, with very different backgrounds, from, from, with very different points of view coming together around a few things that you have in common. It's a lot more than that, but that's a little bit of what marriage is. And when you're single, you just do life on your own. So if you want to go to the movies with some friends, you go to the movies with some friends. If you're married and you want to go to the movies with some friends, it requires a discussion. And if you don't have that discussion, you'll learn really quick that it requires a discussion. <laughs> and uh, there's just certain things that you can do when you're single. You can pretty much eat what and when you want. You don't have to consult anybody. When you're married, you have to have a discussion. What shall we eat tonight? What do you fancy eating? Well, I don't know. What do you fancy eating? And it has to be, there has to be a middle ground where you both decide this is what we shall eat tonight. You have to throw your preferences out the window and you have to find this middle ground where you, where you just, you, you go, okay, fine, we'll have that again. <laughs> this, is, this is the essence of marriage. This is what you're missing out on, single people. So enjoy eating McDonald's whenever you can because this, this is it's just different being married. Now, there's some plus sides. I ain't going to lie. There's some plus sides and some benefits hence low me, um, but being single, it's just, there's, there's an enjoyment to it, so just enjoy the season that you're in. And one of the things I realized about the differences between being married and single is the need for this, tolerance. It's tolerance for each other, it's tolerance for difference, it's tolerance for, and we often think of tolerance like a negative word, like I don't want to tolerate that, but tolerance is defined in the dictionary as having an objective point of view towards somebody else's differences. It's, it's, being, it's, it's understanding someone else's differences. It's, it's allowing someone else's differences. It's not trying to shift someone's point of view to match your point of view. It's being able to go, you think differently to me, but we love each other. It's being able to be in proximity with someone, even though you have very different points of view. So there's a requirement within marriage for tolerance. Matter of fact, there's a requirement within any relationship for tolerance. Any kind of team. Any kind of family, any kind of group of people, any church, there's a requirement within that, within that 
community of people for tolerance, for this, for this objective point of view towards each other, this understanding and this allowance for differences. That's why Paul writes, there's many differences. There's, there's an arm and there's a leg, there's an ear and there's an eye, and all of us have to come together and go, we will tolerate the fact that you are a nose and you're way bigger than the most of us, but, but we'll tolerate that. And, and we'll be a foot over here and we'll be cool about being a foot and we'll know our job as a foot and we'll do this thing together because we're feet and your eyes and it all works together when everybody has a tolerance and an understanding and appreciation for every single person's different gift. Truth is this, wherever there is um, a closeness of relationship, wherever there's proximity, there's a potential for tension. There's a potential for tension. You've been married long enough, you will know there is a potential every moment for tension. Say the wrong thing, <laughs> potential for tension. And wherever there's potential for tension, listen to this, there's a need for tolerance. There's a need for tolerance. Now, we could, we could talk about tolerance for... We could talk about it for weeks, the, the level of humility needed, the, the level of, of pride we have to shut down in order to be tolerant. But we're just gonna, we're gonna leave it there for now. There is a need for tolerance in any kind of relationship. Even if you were to do, I don't know if you do this anymore, I don't know if anyone does this anymore, but I remember when I was young, which was a long time ago. By the way, I don't know if I'll make it tonight. I, w I left 30 like four years ago. So, so if you have to be within 30 to get there. I might have to sneak in and bring a fake ID. But when I was younger, we used to do the three-legged race. If you did that, anyone? No? Maybe it was an English thing. I don't know. Maybe. But the three-legged race, like on your own, you can run. And you have no issues. You've got no one holding you back. But if you tie your leg to another person and try a three-legged run, people run differently. Some legs are shorter than others. Some people think they can run faster than they can run. There's, there's going to be some tolerance needed with two people close together trying to run a three-legged race. It's such a weird thing, a three-legged race. But there's need for tolerance. And if you can imagine just that picture, when you come together with somebody, team, when you come together as a family, when you, when you begin to do life with people, there's things that happen, there's tensions, there's things that happen, there's, there's people that rub you the wrong way because they like the tea a different way. There's just people that do things differently because they like one biscuit and not the other. There's, just, there's potential for tension whenever there's a proximity of relationship. And tension isn't always a bad thing. Tension isn't always a bad thing. I mean, we face tensions every day, don't we? We face the, the work-life balance, which is a tension. You know, do I spend most of my time at work or do I spend most of my time at home? Truth is, if you spent most of your time at work, you wouldn't be able to sustain a home life. And if you spent all your time at home, you wouldn't be able to pay for the home that you were living in. It's a tension. There's, do you get what I mean? There's two things you have to do. You have to work and you have to do life with family. There's a tension between the two that you have to manage. There's tensions between are we spontaneous or are we structured? There's tensions in those things. Tensions in the church of do we grow the church or do we reach the world? Do we, do we grow or do we go, some people say. Do we build this house or do we reach the world? The truth is, again, if you only built this house, you'd never bring anyone else in. If you only reached the world, you'd never have a house to be able to grow them in and build a family around. There's a tension between the two things to, to build the house and reach the world. So we face tensions every single day. Matter of fact, in psychology, there's a term. I'm not a psychologist, but I enjoy reading. So there's a term in psychology called cognitive dissonance. And cognitive dissonance is this, this slight unrest of the mind, um, this, slight, this slight frustration in the mind. And I have it often. I have a frustration with where I am and where I want to be. And, and this, this frustration in our minds can sometimes be a tension. And I want to suggest that it isn't necessarily a bad tension. 
because it's that tension that pulls you closer to what God's calling you to do, that pulls you closer. And the truth is God is calling you to do something. The question is not, is God calling me to do something? It's, are you hearing what God's calling you to do? And maybe today you just need to, I don't know if it's just tune into the right frequency, if you just need to put the right station on, or you need to do something differently, phase out another noise, just so you can hear, because God's speaking. God's speaking all the time. Our job is not to ask whether or not he's speaking, but to ask, what is it you're saying, God? What are you calling me to? What are you drawing me to? Because there's a next step for all of us. There's a next step every single day for all of us because God's calling us to greater things. So God constantly calls us to greater things, but yet we're where we are. So there's a tension. I'm frustrated with where I am, but God's calling me to something else. I want to be over there, but right now I'm here. And that tension in between those two things can end up being a healthy tension because it draws you to the thing. It draws you to the thing. And the key is not to get frustrated with where you are, but to constantly be aware that there's something more. Managing that tension is not easy. And if you've been following God for long enough, you will know that managing that tension between where you are and where God's calling you to be is not an easy thing to manage. But I do want to suggest this, that it isn't a problem to solve, but it is a tension to manage. That it isn't a problem to solve, it's a tension to manage. And um, matter of fact, when Paul writes this letter to the Corinthians, um, the background and context of him writing this story to the Corinthians is that he basically he set up the church in Corinth. So Paul did all his missionary trips. He went to Corinth, set up this church in Corinth, and then built the church for about a year and a half. So stayed with them, did community, had conversations with them, um, ate food with them, hung out with them, did life with his people for a year and a half. Then he moved on and started planting churches in different places. And Paul's in prison at this time, and he gets a letter from the person that is leading the church to Paul saying that there's a few issues that have arisen in the church. So Paul's letter to the Corinthians is him addressing the issues and concerns that are happening in the church. And what's interesting is he picks up probably about four different um, concerns that are raised about the church. And what's interesting is for every concern that is made about the church that they write about, he has a solution for that concern, and it's based in the gospel. So if you were to read the book of Corinthians from beginning to start, you'd see every issue that's raised and you'd see a solution from the gospel. The truth is, whatever situation you're in, there is a solution from the gospel. Whatever circumstance you're facing, there is a solution from the gospel. There is help from Jesus and there is potentially in following him that could add value to the situation you're in and there's a way out in it. Paul writes this letter and one of the things he addresses is this issue of, um, of division, of division in the church. Um, there's separation. Some people are off doing their own thing over there. Some people are doing their thing there. Some people are doing their thing over there. And 2,000 plus years later, we're still facing the same issues in the church where there is division. Yeah. There's division. People think that over there is the best place to be. Some people think there. Some people think here. There's division in the church. So Paul's addressing this issue. And I've got to be honest, his argument that he makes is clever. The way, like, as I've studied this, this letter, and particularly this couple of chapters the way he communicates this message is smart Paul was like Paul was a boss Paul knew what he was doing and which just over the last couple of months as I've been studying the scriptures reminded me that if there's a solution I need it's found in the word of God if there's a solution I need for where I'm facing or what I'm at it's found in the word of God and he so so he faces this issue and he and he speaks about division and the argument that he begins to make about division is that we are all in this together. 
he essentially talks about unity, which I think is smart. I think if you've got division in a family, division in a team, division in a church, the smart thing to do is go, let's talk about unity. Let's get everyone back together on the same page. Let's remind ourselves why we're in this in the first place. Let's remind ourselves why we started this thing, why we're giving our life to it, why we come on a Sunday, why we build and do life with other people. Let's remind ourselves that we're all in this together. So he presents this idea, which is unity. And he talks about four foundations of unity. So four foundations of what unity is built. And I'm going to go through them with these verses and... and speak to you about them as we continue. And the first thing that he talks about is, is, and it's based in verse 1. All these are kind of based in the scriptures that we read. But the first one is this. It says that we serve the same God. So Paul's writing to him and he says, he says about spiritual gifts, brothers, I don't want you to be ignorant. You know that when you were pagans, somehow or other, you were influenced and led astray by mute idols. And then he says, therefore, I tell you that no one who's speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus be cursed, and no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except by the Holy Spirit. He's essentially saying, we all do this because of the Holy Spirit. The reason we're all here is because we serve the same God. We're in this because the God that you serve and the God that I serve and the God that they serve is the same God. So we come on a Sunday based around the same thing. We actually serve the same God. It's the same God that pulled us, like Ruth said, from the miry clay, put our feet on a rock and allowed us to stand. It's the same God that gave us health. It's the same God that restored us, that gave us freedom. It's the same God. The God that gave you freedom and put you in a good position is the same God that put me in a good position. We're all, can you believe this? We're all serving the same God. How good is God? And we're all on this same team together. Paul's writing and reminding them, hey, Guys, we all serve the same God. So yes, there's differences. Yes, we've got issues. Yes, there's division here, there, and everywhere. But can we all get back to the simplicity of we all serve the same God that rescued us from the same mess and gave us salvation, which is the same for all of us. He's saying, hey, we all serve the same God. And then secondly, he says, we all depend on the same God. He says in verse, he says in verse 4, there are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of workings, but the same God works all of them in all men. So we are dependent on God to work in us. He says whenever we pray, we all pray dependent on the same God to bring healing. We all pray to the same God to bring restoration to us. When we offer up prayers, it isn't to different gods, it's to the same God. So we have a, we have a unified similarity in that we serve the same God. And guess what? We also depend on that same God. So your dependence is the same as my dependence. He's trying to put them all on a level playing field and say we're all in this thing together. The third thing he says is this. He says we serve the same purpose. We're in this together. Not only do we serve the same God, not only do we depend on the same God, we pray to him, we speak to him, we communicate with him. We also serve the same purpose. What he's saying is we have more similarity than, than we often think. We're all in this thing together. We only, we're not only serving, we not only depend on him, but guess what? We also say the same purpose, and the purpose is to build the church. The purpose is to reach the world. The purpose is to love God and love others. Your job, my job, wherever we are in the world, whatever it is that's in our hands, whatever we look like, whatever skin color you have, whatever um, belief system you have, whatever your your differences are we all serve the same purpose we wake up in the morning to do the same thing how amazing is this we wake up in the same morning to reach people to love people we all unified around the same thing this is our job this is what we do the church we all serve the same purpose so so paul's writing an incredible letter making some amazing points and saying guys we're all in this together 
I know you're all divided, but let's all get back in the same room. We're in this together. This is our purpose. We can be excited about the same purpose together. We can get up in the morning and fire each other up. I can ask you, like, how did you advance the purpose today? And you can say, oh, I did this, and, and God spoke to me in this way, and, and God's been telling me about this, and I'm, and I'm starting to wake up to the fact that I can contribute to this whole thing. And you can be like, that's amazing. God's been speaking to me about adding this to the purposes of God. And we all get this image that actually we're all running in the same direction. We're all running in the same direction. And we can allow differences sometimes to, to distract us and, and lead us to a back room somewhere where we are lonely, isolated, and we believe that we're doing the right thing. But actually, it's a trick of the enemy to pull us away from the people of God and into isolation. Yeah. And the last thing you want to be, and the last place you want to be as a follower of Jesus Christ is in isolation. Yeah. This is done better with people. Yeah. This is done better with people. Yeah. I've tried doing it on my own. And, and it sucks. I'm not very good at it. But it's done better with people. People around you that love you, that care for you, that challenge you, that speak into your life. Yeah. The fourth thing he says is this. He says, we belong to the same body. We belong to the same body. Yeah, there's many different churches. Yeah, there's many different styles of churches. There's many different sounds of worship. There's many different ways of preaching. But we're actually one body. Yeah. Like you might be an ear and I might be a toe. But we're one body. So even though we've got vast differences, Paul's writing and saying, we're in this together. There's no need for us to be separated. There's no need for division because we're all in this together. Now, this part of the argument so far, I'm like, this is clever, Paul. Like, you're smart. Like, get them all together. Get them on the same page. But then a big part of me back here is like, but what about the differences? Like, what do we do with those differences? Because everyone's different. Everyone's unique. Everyone's got different styles. Everyone's got different quirks. Everyone's got different things that they're passionate about, that, they're, that they believe is the most important thing. We've all got those things because every single one of us is different and every single one of us comes from a different background. And this is where the potential for tension comes in. But Paul laid this foundation of unity. This is what we build our lives on, unity, that we're all in this together. But you can't build your life just on a foundation. You need a foundation and you need pillars. Because a foundation will give you something to stand on, but pillars will take you higher in life. They'll take you up levels. So Paul doesn't just lay a foundation, he also lays pillars. And he begins to talk about diversity, which I think is an incredible argument. He's not only making the point that, hey, we're all unified together. He's also making the point that hey, we're so different. But he's celebrating the fact that we're so different. He's celebrating the fact that some people believe one thing and, and do one thing one way or interpret something another way. He's saying we're all one body. We're in this together. You might function differently, but we're in it together. So he makes these, these arguments or these points, and he says, first of all, that diversity, well, it's necessary. Diversity is necessary. You can't have one body that is all I. You could if it was Monsters, Inc., but besides that, you just can't. Like, that would just be an eye. How would the eye get around? And, and he's making the point that we have to be different. So I'm celebrating your, your differences. I know you've been divided, but, but your differences, we appreciate them. We celebrate them because it's necessary. It's not just a nice idea. It's necessary. The fact that you're different is amazing. ABC Church needs people that are different. We need worship <laughs> leaders and we need keyboard players. We need people to greet people, people to love people, and people to say hello and then go and hang out in the corner and make cups of teas. We need all that stuff. We need administrators. We need people with the gift of prophecy. We need everything. That's the body of Christ. The beautiful thing is we are different, and the differences that we have are necessary. So Paul's going, yo, hey, like, yes, we're unified, but guess what? We're also super different. 
and that's incredible. Some people will wear baseball caps because they're losing their hair. Some people won't. Some people got a good head of hair and they'll just rock it. But the differences are things we're going to celebrate. Second thing he says is this. He says diversity. Well, it actually breeds unity. Diversity. We're not scared of diversity because it breeds unity. We're not scared of the facts. And listen, this is so important, not just for the church, but for the world, because our differences have ended up dividing us. And if we continue to define ourselves by our differences, we'll continue to be divided by them. And we will. There's race wars around the world because we are divided by our differences. There's people, there's people on that side of the camp that, that believe one thing and that stand up for one thing, and there's people over there. But the truth is there's only one race, and it's the human race. And God only created one type of person. It was man and woman. He didn't divide them up and go, well, that's one group of people that should sit over there and they should be separated from that person over there. And the issue is prevalent throughout the world because we think that our diversity divides us. And it doesn't. God's celebrating diversity. And he's pulling it all together like he did the body. Isn't the body, isn't it an amazing picture? How smart was Paul to write about the body and go, this is what the church is like. Look how vastly different it is. Look, how, look at the style of one thing and the other thing. And yet they all work together beautifully. You don't have to have a thousand eyes. Or a thousand years. We don't want any more. No one wants another Tom Lancaster. One is enough. I don't want anyone else to be like me. I don't want to force anyone to go, no, you should think like me. No, you should act like me. No, you should say it like me. No, you should do this like me. I don't want that. I want to celebrate someone's difference and go, we need to add that to the body. And then we're unified in a beautiful way because we all come together to do something incredible. The third pillar that he lays is this. He says, we're diverse, but we're not divided. Again, he's celebrating it. He's saying, yeah, I know that you're different. Yeah, I know that that isn't your style of music. And I know that, that it might be a bit loud. I know that, that the way they dress. And I, know, I get it all. Like, I get it all. But yeah, we celebrate it. We celebrate their difference and your difference. And guess what? We're all coming together to build something beautiful, which is the body, which is family, which is community, which is life together. It's, it's the sense of, of a bunch of people from from different backgrounds, with different ideas that all come together and we go, we're going we're gonna to work with our differences and we're going to push this thing forward because guess what? We serve the same God. Yeah. We depend on the same God. Uh, we're part of the same body and, well, we're about the same purpose. So we're all going to come together. Truth is this, that unity without diversity actually just ends up being uniformity. And diversity without unity ends up being division. But watch this, unity and diversity together is maturity it's maturity so where there was a tension before between us because our differences and our and our similarities were all overlapping and there was a tension and a friction between us well actually putting some tolerance and some understanding that our differences work for us and and it's maturity you know there's this the chapter in the bible that we read at weddings um one corinthians chapter 13 and it's the love chapter we call it the love chapter because it says that if you have all of these things and yet end up without love, then it's all pointless. And, and it all grounds itself in love. It all finds itself rooted in love. Well, interestingly, chapter 13 comes straight after chapter 12, where Paul writes about unity. He writes about diversity. And he ends it by saying, well, this is the most spectacular way to deal with all of this, with love. Because if we have all of this stuff and yet we don't have love, well, we've missed the point. If we have all of this stuff and yet we don't inject love into our relationships, well, we're just a couple of people trying to do something. But add love to the picture with maturity. Uh, manage this tension with love for each other. And love looks beyond stuff, doesn't it? Yeah. 
love goes, well, you know, I'm going to make a choice today. Yeah, you, you're really frustrating me, and you've been an idiot all week, but I'm going to love you anyway, because love is a choice, not a feeling. Love's a decision every single day to do life with the people that you want to do life with because you love them. That's why some of you have been married so long because you've made a decision every single day. You've gone, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to love you. I'm going to love you. And you, like, you frustrate me like crazy, but I'm going to love you because it's a choice. That's what relationship is. That's what the church is. It's a bunch of people going, hey, we're going to end this together. I'm going to love you through it all. How interesting that he talks about unity. Then he adds an argument of diversity and difference. And then he goes, hey, the reason and the way we do all this is, well, we just love each other. Two of the greatest commandments, love God and love people. The Bible says all the laws, they hang on these two things, to love God and to love people. You say, well, it's tough to do life with such and such. Or it's tough to reach people. It's tough to, you know, teams tough and there's tension and, and families tough and relationships tough. Yeah, it is. It is. I get it. It is. Add love into that thing. Add love and the decision of love every single day. Um, just add love and, and love through maturity. Paul writes another incredible argument in Romans, and again, he does exactly the same thing. And I put these here just so you can, or maybe you want to take a picture of it, write them down or something. You can go back and read them. But makes the same argument in different, in different ways. He talks about unity, diversity, and then ends with talking about maturity. And you can actually see how he's written these, these chapters over the books, Romans, Corinthians, and Ephesians. And you can see how he's written it. And it's beautiful to just watch him go, like, yes, we're different, but we're all the same, and here's how we manage it. Yeah. There's a couple of verses that I want to read, just as we bring this to a close, and we can bring keys up here if, if that works, and I want to read these. And I, and I guess I want to, what I want to do is, is also give us some next steps, because everything involves next steps. Everything involves an action point. It, it, it involves... God, God requiring something of us. And you know, every encounter with God pushes you to an action. Because you see this in the Bible, God met Abraham and it meant life change for him. It meant leave everything you know, go out and, and to a land that I'll show you at some point, but just head on your way. Every encounter with God leads you to action. When Moses went over to a burning bush and he said, oh, that's interesting, the bush is on fire. Let me go and see what's going on. He encountered God and God caused him to go and do something. Every encounter requires life change. It requires response it requires some kind of movement and in the book of John chapter 17 reading from the message version John is now later on in life and he's writing this and um, he's done life with Jesus so he's seen all this stuff he was there with him through all of this he saw Jesus pour out his life give out his life he saw him um, do life with a bunch of very different people he had he had tons of different people and he had a person that was completely against him and his team did life with him and he knew so Jesus didn't do life with, with Judas not knowing that he was someday going to betray him he knew and yet he did life with him and that must have been tension and, and John's later on in life writing these verses because he's done life with Jesus he's seen it and he says this he says I'm praying not only for them but also for those who believe in me because of them and their witness about me Jesus' words and he says the goal is for all of them to become one heart and one mind just as you father are in me and I in you so they might be one heart and mind with us then the world it says might believe that you in fact sent me the same glory you gave me I gave them so they'll be as unified and together as we are I in them and you in me and then he says this then you'll be mature in this oneness and give the goodness, godless world, sorry, evidence that you sent me and love them in the same way that you loved me. 
what he's saying is this unity that we carry, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, this unity, well, if the world sees that, they'll see you. If the world sees people that are vastly different, doing life together with love injected into it, well, they'll see you, God. They'll know that you sent me. Essentially, they'll believe in Jesus just based on seeing us do life together. Imagine if just because we worked out our differences, just because we decided we're going to do this thing together, just because we decided we're going to inject some tolerance into this tension, and just because we decided, regardless of our differences, we're going to work together to build something, well, people will start coming to God. People will start believing in Jesus. They'll say, well, that group of people in Amherst, well, they're different. Why are they different? Because there's so many different types of people from different backgrounds, and yet somehow they're building something incredible together. Well, there's a bunch of different people that are different, and they've got different, and, but yet somehow God's doing something in them, and it will draw people to them. I love in, in, in the book of Matthew, it says this. It says, here's another way to put it. It says, you're, you're here to be light, bringing out all these God colors in the world. It says, God is not a secret to be kept. We're going public with this, as public as a city on a hill. It says, if I make you light bearers, you don't think I'm going to hide you under a bucket, do you? It says, I'm putting you on a light stand. I'm putting you on a light stand. Now that I've put you there on a hilltop, on a light stand, it says, shine. Keep open house. Be generous with your lives. By opening up to others, you'll prompt people to open up with God, this generous Father in heaven. I've got to tell you that it is a subtle trick of the enemy for us to think that the best way for us to do life is separated. And yet it's God's great plan for us to do life together. That's why the church is so significant, because it's doing life together. And when we do life together, people are drawn to us. And I've got to say, like for, for me, whenever I read verses like that, I have, I have to go away with, like, what does that mean for me? Who have I pushed away? Who have I pushed away because they're a little bit different to me or because they frustrate me? And I have to ask myself, am I acting like God wants me to act? And I have to make a decision. I have to go and I have to write it down sometimes. Here's, here's a couple of people. Here's a couple of people that I've gone, I don't want to hang out with them because they frustrate me. I don't, want, I don't really want to have them around for dinner because, because of the way they're living their life. I don't really want to go and visit them because, because every time I try and talk to them about God, they're not interested in it. But yeah, we have to make a decision and go, no, actually God's called us to those people. That's our purpose. And I have to sometimes, even if it's as simple as writing down, here's a few people that, that I've pushed away. Here's a few people that I've pushed and, and I've marginalized because they're different because their culture is different to mine or because the way they do life is different to the way I do life. And I have to go, I have to repent. I have to go, no, my job is to love them. Yeah. Regardless of difference, I've got to put my pride to one side and I've got to love them. Yeah. Maybe today you need to write a few names down. Maybe it's a family member you need to go, um, actually, you know, we, maybe we should have them around for dinner. Maybe we should just go, hey, you know, I'm sorry that, I'm sorry that there's been a separation. I'm sorry that there's been a frustration and a tension between us. God's called us to do this together. Whatever I can do to help that. I hope you accept this apology, whatever it is. I hope we can work together and, and let's begin with God. Let's pray with God for restoration. It might be a friend that you've not done time with for a while. It might be, it might be someone that you know you should go and speak to and talk to about Jesus. I don't know what it looks like for you, but, but I guess my ask is this, is to join me in just in, in creating an action point, a next step. Well, where does this land? What's my response, God? And if your response is to go and speak to someone, maybe today you just need to send a text. Maybe today you just need to have a conversation with someone. 
I read an article a while ago, and it was a survey done over 90,000 unchurched people. Um, and they defined unchurched as anyone that had been part of church, that, but then had left church, anyone that had heard of church and thought, no, I don't really want to go there. Anyone that knew of church and had actively made a decision to not be a part of it. And they asked them all, why did you decide to not be a part of church? And they came out with tons of different answers and said them in very different ways. And they categorized them into a few different categories. And 90% of the people that they did this whole survey with said that the reason they're not a part of a church is because of intolerance. It made me think if, if, if 90% of those people said I can't be a part of church because that community is intolerant of my differences. It made me think really seriously, is that the one thing that's keeping us from reaching this world? Is that really it? Is that the one thing that is keeping us separated? Is it just the tolerance? Is that all it is? is all we have to do is swallow our pride. Is that all we have to do is humble ourselves and, and bring ourselves forward to people and say, hey, you're welcome here. Our doors are open welcome no matter what skin color you are no matter what race you are no matter what gender you are no matter what your preferences are you're welcome this is a home you belong here our doors are open people might have been intolerant to you people might have pushed you away but this house is where you're welcome this family is your family and that's the church of god why don't you stand with me let's pray let's ask god to help us god we thank you for everything that you're doing in your church god we thank you for everything that you're doing in people's lives here God, we thank, you for, we thank you for what you're calling us to. God, our prayer today is that you would help us, that you give us wisdom and that you give us strength to be able to do this thing with people. God, bring people to us, God. Bring people into our lives. God, give us a humility to embrace people of difference. God, give us a humility, God, to embrace those that think differently to us, that act differently from different cultures. God, allow us and give us the wisdom, God, and the the anointing, God, to, to do this thing together. To do this thing together. And I want to pray just for um, maybe two groups of people. Um, and maybe if, you, if you're a praying person, you can pray this with me. But I want to pray for a couple of groups of people. And, and one of them is anyone that, that feels like God is, um, that feels that tension of, of God calling them to something. Um, that you feel that, that, that frustration possibly with where you are and where God wants you to be. If there's, if there's a dream on your heart or if there's a word God's spoken to you, maybe it was 10 years ago, maybe it was 20 years ago, maybe it was two days ago, God's spoken something to you and you've been holding on to it. You've, you may have let it go a little bit, um, but I want to say this to you, that it is not dead. The Bible says that the gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. That means that when God gives them, they are, there is life to them. There's life to them. There comes a point where we need to water them, but there's life to them. And, and the dream of God that God has given you will never, cannot, and won't die. Maybe all you need today is to, is to get around some people that will pour water on it, that will pour fuel on the fire. And I want to just say to you, believe again. I'm not saying that like, you know, motivationally. I, I, you know, I don't want to get you shouting, I'm going to believe again. You can do if you want, but I, I want in your spirit for you to go, yeah, maybe I'll give it a go. Maybe I'll go all in again on God. Maybe I'll believe again for that dream. Maybe I'll believe again for that vision. Maybe, you know what, God, I'm going to give you one more chance. I'm, I'm going to give you another chance. If that's you today, I want to pray for you. I want to pray that you would raise, raise something inside of you to, to believe again in God, to believe again for him to do something in your life. And then, and then the second group of people, if you're here today and you go, you know what, I've, I've just drifted so far away from God that I've found myself divided from everything. Maybe you've had a cynical spirit or maybe you've just been struggling with it. 
know, I'm, there's no judgment. I get it. You know, it's a bunch of us doing life together and trying to figure this thing out. It's, it's not easy. And maybe you've slipped, just you feel like you've slipped away a little bit. The Bible's clear, nothing can separate you from God. But you feel like you've slipped away a little bit. And if that's you too, I wanna to pray with you. Um, and my prayer is just that you would, I suppose in the simplest terms, just say to God, hey God, I'm giving it you all. I'm coming back to you, I'm coming back home. I'm giving you my life, I'm giving you my, my future, I'm coming back to you. Um, and I don't know what that looks for you, but it's a decision, it's an internal decision. And, and, and let's pray together. God, I thank you for every single person with a dream on their heart. God, I pray that you would fan it into flame. God, I pray you'd pour life on it, Jesus. I pray that you would bless it, God. Bring people to them, God, that can speak into them, Father. God, bring resource, God. Open doors, God. I pray for influence this year, God. I pray for opportunities this year, God. God, I pray for open doors in on peculiar ways, God. God open doors God for a mighty work your word says God for an effective work God I pray that you would you would blow something up that you that you'd expand something God I pray that you would pour your favor on something touch something God because with your touch God everything gets life and I pray that there'd be life in those dreams God right now I speak life into them Father God that they live again that they're watered God God do something incredible in people's lives this year God 2019 God let it be the year that people see dreams come alive in Jesus' name. And if you're here today and you would you would answer that second prayer and say, um, yeah, I want to I want to come back to God. Why don't you just pray this with me? You can pray it in your spirit under your breath. Um, it's just a prayer, personal prayer for you. Just just pray this with me. Say, God, God, I thank you. I thank you that you're the God of second chances. I thank you that you're the God that never gives up. I thank you for dying on a cross for me, for giving your life for me. God, I'm so grateful so thankful that you would think and consider me that you'd give your life for me so jesus today i respond to that by giving my life back to you it's in your hands i trust you it's in your hands i believe in you do something with it in jesus name amen come on can we anyone that may have prayed that can we just thank them it's a big thing to can we just applaud can we just say thank you for making that decision and you know, if you, if you made that decision, you know, I, I know that this, this church is a welcoming church and they would want to talk to you. If you made that decision, maybe you just want to come and have a conversation with someone. If you want to have a conversation with me, just come and say, hey, just say, hey, I prayed that prayer. Um, and, you know, what does it look like next? And we'd love to walk that journey with you. And, and thank you for being brave and praying that and giving your heart to God. Thank you for being here today, um, for spending your Sunday here. It means a lot. And thank you for listening. Um, it's been an honor to be here. Love you guys. Pray for us. Please pray for us. Uh, keep in touch with us. And uh, let's see God do something amazing together. Amen. Amen. This message was brought to you by ABC Church. For more information, please visit our website at www.abclife.org or search for us on Facebook or Twitter. You can also contact us by phone on 01269 596000.